Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 56 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker, and we welcome you into this episode. It's our first one in a couple of weeks, and we don't have a guest on the menu for you, but I will be with you to chat about the MLB's COVID return plan and all the drama, the whole saga surrounding that. And we'll even dive into the top five picks of the MLB draft. Of course, day one was last night at the time of this recording. And we'll talk about what we have to look forward to as a Canadian baseball fan in day two. So let's dive right into things. In recent weeks that we've been off with no podcast, two of the pro sports leagues have put plans in motion to return to play. The NHL is expanding the playoffs to 24 teams grouped into two hub cities for the East and West, respectively. The NBA will be playing at Disney World in Orlando and bringing 22 teams that there is some sort of competition for the final playoff spots. The MLB, however, is different. First, because they hadn't begun their season officially yet, of course, the league was in spring training at the time of the pause due to the coronavirus pandemic, and they have not yet played a regular season game. And second, because their negotiations have been an absolute mess. Both sides can't agree on a single thing, it seems. And even though there have been some better talks lately, everything's still looking pretty bleak at the moment. So let's talk about the latest proposal. This one came from the Players Union. They shortened their season from uh, from 114 games to 89, I believe. Uh, so they are they are shortening the season like the owners had uh, had wanted a little bit. They 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 were of course going for an even shorter season. The owners were uh, for each team, but they are not. I, it doesn't look like the Players Union wants that to happen. And I can't tell you that uh, that there is going to be. A, a long season. The fans are definitely going to want, um, fans are definitely going to want to have a longer season so that they can still, you know, watch quite a bit of baseball. But here are some of the things. So here, here are a few of the things that seem quite likely that will happen um, in the in the in the negotiations that'll come out of the negotiations for this season. Um, there will likely be extensive health and safety protocols uh, for players and personnel. The question becomes how many people come with the teams to wherever they play. If they're playing at their home ballparks, then uh, how many, how many, how much staff can you actually have there without it being considered too many people? Who is essential staff? Because that's likely something that's going to be brought up. Only essential staff will be making the trip to wherever wherever they, they end up playing this season. Um, they're talking about larger rosters. Of course, the minor league season is in jeopardy. Uh, we saw that the G League and the NBA and that the AHL and the NHL and, and, and hockey, um, they, they decided that their seasons were going to be uh, finished where they where they were completed uh, at the pause. So what is the MLB going to do with the minor league season? Of course, farm systems are much bigger in uh, in baseball than what they are in other leagues. And the MLB has a ton of a ton of teams in the minors. Uh, there are so many players that are that are waiting to see if they will have a season this year. So there are larger rosters that are being discussed. Potentially even thirty players on the active roster. Um, and maybe even a 20-player backup squad that kind of practices with the team. There are so many things that are being thrown around right now. You might not have any of this happen, but um, there there's a good chance that the schedule will be modified in order to limit travel as much as possible. Um, whereas this or so. 
things would be between the East Division teams, the Central teams, and the West teams. So that's something that's being talked about right now, and I can understand that. Obviously, you want to limit the travel as much as possible because the virus is so much worse in different parts of Canada, different parts of the United States. So that's something that looks like it's going to happen. And the the NBA and the NHL are doing that uh, with their hub city ideas um, right now. And expanded playoffs are also something being floated around. Of course, teams have less time to try and work their way into a playoff picture, into the playoff picture, I should say. So if they have a slower start to the season, they will have more trouble coming back and trying to get in. And if you get a hot start to the season, but you really start to slow down, then you also have a better chance at, uh, at, at making the playoffs. And I think it's going to be interesting to see which teams, I think the White Sox could definitely be in the playoffs next year. I think I can expect them to, to get off to a hot start. The question becomes for fans, did this team deserve to be where they are right now? Do this team deserve to be in the playoffs? Do they, do they not deserve to be there? Um, so many questions are going to be floated around. Uh, so yesterday before the MLB draft, uh, Rob Manfred did some interviews with, uh, with MLB network and ESPN and he guaranteed there would be a season. So, um, so what, what he's saying is there, there's no way that baseball doesn't get played, uh, this, this year in 2020 guarantees that there is going to be a season. And I can't fully say that uh, that that's true. And I know that obviously I am on the outside. I am just a fan who is recording a podcast. Uh, but I don't know that, the, that these, these negotiations are going to go anywhere very quickly, that is. And you're going to eventually run out of time for a season to be played because so many of these ballparks are outside. I, I don't know the exact number of stadiums with a roof in baseball. I know that that number is increasing but I think it's only five or six teams max. So the MLB is going to begin running out of time to play a season. And, uh, and so I don't know that guaranteeing the 20, the 2020 will have baseball. It was the right move by Manfred, but let's dive into the union or actually let's go to the league proposal. This happened on Monday. So the league delivered their latest proposal to the players association on Monday. Um, it's not that much different than what you had heard before. They wanted to. Uh, they they wanted a 76 game season that would end on September 27th, with a postseason finishing up at the end of October. 75 uh, percent prorated salaries, playoff pool money, and no MLB draft pick compensation for signing players. Um, the the union didn't like that, uh, and I'm sure that you have heard it in recent days. The players' union was not very happy with that proposal. They think it's worse than what the others had been. I can understand where the union is coming from here. They want their players to be making as much money as possible. And three weeks ago, I think it might have been it might have been two or three weeks ago, I was on with Matt Hiscox on the on episode 55 of the podcast, and we were ripping into the union. I will say my opinion on these negotiations has changed drastically. The league is also being ridiculous. Both sides are being terrible right now. And if they, this keeps up, there won't be baseball in 2020, as Rob Manfred so guaranteed. The the league is being a little bit ridiculous in their demands. Obviously, players still want to be paid. The union can't try to say that players are putting their lives their lives at risk because everyone that is working in the midst of a global pandemic is putting their lives at risk. So I, I'm not very happy with either side. I don't think many baseball fans are. But uh, right now, I do think that it is a it is both sides that are that are really 
slowing things down. I don't think it's the league that's the big problem. I think I don't think it's the players union that's the big problem. I think combined they're the big problem. And I mean, you're hearing players speak out. Owners, you know, they've been quieter, but th- there are some owners that make so much money every year and run their teams like an independent league team trying to cut costs wherever they can and it's just it's just a whole mess. So I don't know whose side I'm really on right now. I don't think I have a side. I think that both both sides in this negotiation are are terrible in uh, in trying to get baseball back for 2020. So on Tuesday, the day before the draft, the MLBPA responded to that proposal, the one that they hated with an 89 game season and full prorated pay, so no extra pay cut. Uh, and an expanded 16-team postseason in 2020 and 2021, because let's not forget, there still needs to be an offseason. So there is a very good chance the 2021 season is impacted by this as well. And what the league was going for in their proposal that they that they sent to the union on Monday was they wanted to have things done around a normal time. September 27th is usually when a normal 162-game regular season is wrapping up. So they wanted to try and keep it on on schedule so that they could make uh, all the money that they would usually uh, obtain next season in 2021 for a perfect, you know, 162-game season. But unfortunately, that's not that's not likely going to happen because the 2021 season will be impacted by what happens here. So the MLBPA proposed an 89-game season. Uh, it would run from July 10th to October 11th and push the playoffs into November something that the league definitely wants to avoid. Um, One of the reasons being there is a good chance there's going to be a second wave of the coronavirus. So they will have to deal with that in the midst of the playoffs. Uh, And then the league, of course, like we mentioned, they want to get 2021 on track as much as possible and broadcast deals and such. uh, They are going to have to, you know, negotiate those because a lot of them expire in November Uh, The proposal also calls for a $5 million fund to help minor leaguers and social justice organizations. Um, You know, I understand that because minor league players are not going to play a very long season. If there even is one right now, they're struggling to, 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 you know, make it because they're not getting paid very much money. If they're getting paid at all, many teams are releasing players, putting them onto the streets, basically not giving them very much money. I know that the blue Jays, uh, caught 26 players, I believe was the exact number, maybe 29, not very long ago. That included Casey Clemens, by the way, who was at one time regarded as a top prospect. You know what? Right now, these negotiations are going nowhere. The teams, the the owners are being a little bit stubborn. The players union is being stubborn. Neither side wants to give in. I understand that. But at the same time, somebody, they're going to have to somehow meet in the middle where that middle is. Nobody knows, but they're going to have to get there eventually if they want to play any baseball in 2020 and, uh, and beyond, because I believe that the 2021 season is on track right now. So maybe, you know, cancel 2020 because right now, um, it's not, it's not exactly looking good for the MLB and we are running out of time for them to get something going. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where all this goes because, you know, the the union is is asking for all these things. The, the players are asking for all these things. Neither one, neither side wants to give anything to the other. 
and your typical negotiation, I guess. But my question then becomes, why did the MN- why was the NHL able to to resolve this so quickly? Why was the NBA able to, to resolve this so quickly? It's because owners were willing to, you know, sacrifice a little bit in order to get a season played. And so was the union. Like th- there was some kind of cooperation there in both leagues that we're just not seeing with Major League Baseball. And it's going to lead to likely the demise of the league, if I'm being completely honest, because they have screwed up massively in fan attraction. You know, they had, they were leading in the proposals for return to play. The NHL, the NBA weren't close a few months ago. And everyone was saying, you know what? The MLB has got this covered. We could see major league baseball by June. We could see major league baseball by early July. It's not going to happen. The MLB had a great chance. It was a prime opportunity to get more fans to come in, to get normal to get people that wouldn't normally watch baseball into the sport, and they could have capitalized on all of that, received so much more money, but for some reason, these two sides couldn't agree on a thing. So the MLB, the union, have colossally screwed up because they had such a great chance to acquire fans, but by the time they return, if they return, the NHL season, the NHL shortened season, or playoffs will be in full swing, the NBA's playoffs will be in full swing, so they are going to have to compete with them for ratings, and it's not looking good for Major League Baseball. What is looking good for Major League Baseball is that the fa- is the fact that there was good baseball news yesterday, as it was day one of the Major League Baseball draft. Teams have made their first selections for players that they hope will be the next generation of MLB stars. Obviously, not all of these players will pan out, but we thought that we would take a look at the top five and detail how this helps each team. Last night, of course, 37 players were picked. Uh, 29 in the first round and eight in the competitive balance round, uh, compensation picks and such. So let's dive right into the, uh, the first five selections, because those are the only ones we will be going over. Um, first overall Detroit Tigers pick Spencer Torkelson. There wasn't really, um, much doubt that this is who the Tigers were going to take. He was the safest pick in the draft, as many analysts were saying. He belted 54 home runs in 127 career games at Arizona State. Uh, was actually only two home runs shy of the Sun Devils school record held held by Bob Horner um, when the 2020 season was cut short. So tough luck for him there. But, you know, he is a right-handed first baseman at the top of the draft board, something you don't often see. But Torkelson was really in a league of his own, if you ask many scouts coming into the draft. You know, he's a guy that's not going to spend very much time in the minor leagues. He can make an impact very quickly in Major League Baseball. So the Tigers were very excited. They jumped all over Spencer Spencer Torkelson, and they actually announced him as a third baseman, which I found interesting because they do have Heimer Candelario over at third base, but Torkelson is saying that he, he, he... um, he's very thankful for this because it shows that they believe in him as an athlete. Um, he fills a major system need for the Tigers, uh, and he gives them a big bat who, like we mentioned earlier, is going to make it to the big leagues quickly. They've got Riley Green, who is 19 years old, is the only like major hitting prospect um, until they got Torkelson. So they have now two big bats in the system. Of course, Miguel Cabrera is going to be retiring soon, and they don't exactly have many potent players on the roster. Maybe Nico Goodrum is a guy that I could see sticking around for a little while after this massive rebuild. Their pitching in the system looks pretty good, but unfortunately, you know, the 
the offense is not quite there in, in the minor leagues, which is why they didn't choose a pitcher first overall. So when you had the opportunity to jump on Spencer Torkelson, the Detroit Tigers did. Um, he is the, the, the first third baseman, technically, because that's what the Tigers announced him as, to go number one overall since Pat Burrell in 1998. So it's been a long time since the... Uh, since a third baseman was selected first overall. Of course, Torkelson played mainly first base at Arizona State, but who knows what the Tigers are trying to uh, are trying to do with him. He's actually drawn comparisons to New York Mets first baseman and NL rookie of the year last year, I believe. Um, Pete Alonzo, sorry, I forgot the name there for a second. But Pete Alonzo comparisons, obviously a great thing for Spencer Torkelson, who was selected number one overall by the Detroit Tigers. At number two, the Baltimore Orioles, who didn't have as terrible of a season as they did the year prior, meaning they got the second overall pick, picked Heston Kierstad, a right fielder from Arkansas. Arkansas, pardon me. I always say that uh, say that say that state wrong, and uh, that continued in the podcast. So Heston Kierstad might have the best raw power out of any lefty in the draft. Uh, he performed very well at Arkansas and led Team USA with a 395 average last summer. So Kierstad, a very talented player. He doesn't play center field. So he is a guy that, you know, you you will see in right field primarily, maybe in left field if the, if the Orioles need a guy over there. Trey Mancini out in Baltimore, you know, the Orioles are definitely going to hope that he sticks around uh, for years to come because he's a very talented player, one of the few uh, stars that the Orioles have on that team. So Heston Kierstad, and he can play left field as well, uh, Mancini can. So we'll see what the Orioles look to do with Kierstad. Wasn't really a... Um, a center fielder, and he wasn't projected to be the second overall pick because of his limitations in the outfield and because of his swing. He's got lots of moving parts in that swing, uh, in that swing with a big pause and a big leg kick. Uh, he had a lot of strikeouts in 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 college. He had a terrible sixty five to twenty one strikeout to walk ratio as a sophomore, but in non conference play in twenty twenty he hit four forty eight with uh, 513 on base percentage, 791 slugging percentage, six home runs in 16 games. Kierstad, of course, a very talented player, and the Orioles are going to look for him to make an impact down the road. Um, he's got elite power. We talked about it a little bit earlier. He is, you know, a big bat in that Orioles lineup to go along with Adley Rutschman, who's going to be their catcher of the future more than likely. I don't know what they're thinking pitching-wise. I don't know that they have a very talented farm system from the pitcher's perspective. Um, and so Kierstad is a guy who will likely take less money, even though he went second overall because he wasn't projected to go there. There are many more talented players, the Orioles, or not many more talented players, but there were some other guys that the Orioles could have selected with that pick. So the Orioles can target, target another elite player with the 30th overall pick. And that's exactly what they did la uh, last night in the draft. So this kind of helps them. Um, they didn't go with Austin Martin. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, Asalasi as well, who, who was selected uh, by the Royals. So they get Kierstad, who can be an awesome power bat for them, whether he's playing in the corner outfield or whether he blossoms into a DH. We'll have to find out. But uh, Heston Kierstad, definitely a great choice in the second overall slot for the Baltimore Orioles. The Miami Marlins picks, picked Max Meyer third overall. Um, 
Now, Meyer is compared quite often to Walker Bueller as he stands right around six feet. Not not the tallest guy on the mound, but has hit triple digits on the radar gun with his fastball, a very hard-throwing righty. He started his college career as a reliever, and the question for him is, is he going to be a reliever long-term? Is he going to be able to sustain his, his habits as a starter? Because he's got a lively arm, and he's a very talented pitcher. And the question that that's a question that has been asked about several pitching prospects in the past as well. Uh, Nate Pearson is one of them. Blue Jays prospect who is likely going to come up in the 2020 campaign. Is Meyer going to be a reliever down the road? It's a possibility. It depends how well his arm holds up. But uh, he is. He really was good last season uh, in or in the rotation in Team USA last summer as well. His stuff is phenomenal. Um, and you know, the, the Marlins didn't take Lacey in the, in this pick because he, I, they must've seen something in him that they didn't, they didn't quite like and Meyer, he's shorter. Um, but he's got phenomenal stuff and he can really light up the gun. So the Marlins got their guy in Max Meyer at third overall. The, there was thought, there was a thought that the Blue Jays could have taken Meyer at fifth. The Marlins snagged him at three. Um, the Royals took Asalasi, and I know for a fact that I'm not pronouncing his first name correctly. Unfortunately, I don't know the pronunciation, so I apologize. The hard-throwing lefty, as he is described, uh, was, had a great start last season, um, or this season, I should say, 3-0 with a .75 ERA, 46 strikeouts, 24 innings, a talented arm. He's more of a power pitcher, um, mid to high 90s fastball, so he'll live around 95 more than likely. Uh, he's got an upper 80s slider, which is phenomenal because if you got that wipeout slider that is really hard and uh, difficult to hit, you're going to have success at the big league level more than likely. So Asa Lacey, uh, a great selection by the Royals there. No one really thought that, they, that he was going to fall that low. I think that um, the, the Orioles were definitely a guy that the, the, that he was linked to. The, the the Marlins for sure, because you heard everything about the Marlins and Asa Lacey uh, going into the draft. But Lacey is a very talented arm and the or the, the Royals, pardon me, are adding to to their prospects, uh, their pitching prospects who are very talented. And, you know, they, they have a giant park. Kansas City does at Kauffman Stadium. So it's a pitcher's ballpark. They've got talented arms coming up. Whether the offense is there, we'll have to find out. But uh, a great selection in Lacey by the Kansas City Royals. Rounding out our top five are the Toronto Blue Jays. As they selected Austin Martin, who was a third baseman, a shortstop, a center fielder, a left fielder. Uh, I believe he played some right field as well, some second base. Austin Martin can really play anywhere. He's best known for his contact skills and plate discipline. Doesn't really strike out very much. Gets on base quite a bit. So Austin Martin was actually projected to go. Top two, him and Torkelson were expected to go one and two. It was a matter of who do the Tigers want more, Austin Martin or Spencer Torkelson. He hit 392 with 10 home runs as a sophomore in 2019. Was hitting 377 in 16 games this season. Um, He was mainly a third baseman at Vanderbilt, playing 65 games there. He said he's open to to playing wherever, uh, whatever the Jays need of him, he is ready to do it. Austin Martin, looking at it here, sorry, he, did, he didn't play in right field, but he did play at first base. Vanderbilt actually posted uh, last night on their Instagram story a breakdown of where 
Austin Martin had starts uh, in his college career, 65 starts at third base. So definitely primarily a third baseman at, uh, at Vanderbilt, but 25 in center field. That was his next highest 13 at second and first 12 in left field and two at shortstop. And I saw some blue Jays fans last night getting a little bit up in arms because the Jays took another infielder. They took another shortstop. Where is he going to play? You ask you guys, you got guys like Jordan Groshans coming up in the system. Kevin Smith, maybe he has a bounce back year this year. We'll have to find out. To me, the strategy here is that Martin is kind of a Ben Zobrist for the Blue Jays. Um, expect him to be very versatile on the diamond, and his hitting approach has been compared to Justin Turner. So a talented player. I think what's going to happen with this pick with Austin Martin I think that eventually he's going to be, you know, in the outfield for the Blue Jays. I think he's going to be their center fielder of the future. More than likely, he's received comparisons to Mookie Betts as well, just because he can play in the infield, play in the outfield. I think maybe um, he, we, we see Martin play some third base if the Blue Jays want to shift Guerrero over to first. And I think it's going to happen. Uh, maybe you shift Kevin Biggio over to first as well. Jordan Groshan's coming up, a very talented hitter. He's in Lansing right now, so a little bit further away, but I do think that Groshan's is going to be on the Blue Jays' infield down the road, and he can play some third base. He can play second. He's primarily a shortstop, but shortstop and third are rare or where Groshans really excels. So Martin, he can play anywhere, and that is huge for the Blue Jays. He was expected to go number two, and the Blue Jays probably didn't expect that he was going to be where he was. Um, the top four selections were uh, were expected to be uh, Lacey, Meyer, and uh, and Austin Martin going after Spencer Torkelson, if that's what the Tigers so chose. But Heston Kierstad threw a wrench into that and was selected by the Orioles at number two when Martin was expected to go there as well. So the Blue Jays, a great pickup. Many people are saying this could be a huge seal for the Blue Jays. I am one of those people. I personally believe that he's a great, uh, great ball player and should be a big piece for the Blue Jays down the road if he's able to develop correctly. Kevin Biggio can shift over to first base. You can teach Vladimir Guerrero Jr. the position. You could even, what if you wanted to have all these guys on the infield, you could shift Guerrero to DH. Biggio at first, you put Martin at second, and then Groshans at third base with Bichette at shortstop. The Blue Jays infield is looking good down the road. The outfield a little bit rocky, as Lourdes Goriel Jr., really the only outfielder that we can say right now, will likely be a piece for this team when they compete again, and that could be why the Blue Jays took Austin Martin as well, as he can play in the outfield. Some talk about the Jays choosing Emerson Hancock uh, in this pick, and that was that was what was expected to happen. But when the Jays were given the opportunity to select Martin, they did not pass up on it. A very talented player. So a great choice by the Blue Jays. Of course, Emerson Hancock went six to the Mariners. Uh, Nick Gonzalez went seven to the Pirates. He's a second baseman. There was also talk the Blue Jays might take him. Uh, going eight was Robert Hassel to the San Diego Padres. Zach Veen to the Colorado Rockies, the first high school player chosen in the draft. And uh, Reed Detmers went to the Angels at number 10. So that rounds out the top 10 in the MLB draft. Of course, it's all over the internet if you want to take a look at the full draft and where all the picks went. This is the end of our coverage of the MLB draft for this week's episode. Day two of the draft, rounds two to five are today. And of course, the draft is only five rounds. So there are many Canadian ballplayers that are up for grabs uh, going into day two. And there are many that, that could be selected by numerous teams in the draft. Of course. Uh, 
there were a lot of there were a lot of players that I was looking at this morning when I was checking the best available list. There are some guys that played in the Intercounty Baseball League out in Ontario, um, and some very talented Canadian guys. So next week's episode will be dedicated to talking about the MLB's return to play and if they're going to have that, and the the uh, the Canadian baseball players that were selected in the MLB draft will go in depth on every single one of them talking about where they played before, what it's going to look like and how important this is to them and their development. So we're very excited to talk to to talk to talk about these Canadian ball players next week and we wish them the best of luck going into the draft tonight. This has been episode 56 of 211's Baseball Talk. We thank you very much for tuning in and we'll talk to you again next week.